0: Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we will be talking about the Browns' bounce-back win in New York, the start of the college football bowl season, Space Force, and Christmas. I'm joined again by tonight by two of the best ever. Phil Denko is back. Hi Gerbs. How are you guys? Phil, doing? how you doing? I'm good. And we're joined again also by Chuck Rimbaldo. Chucky, how you yeah, doing?
1: Yeah. Back to back pod weeks. I'm good, buddy.
0: Are we ready to dive into it, guys? Yep. Do it. All right, Phil, let's start with you. Do you <laughs> believe you arrived at this moment in your life because you subconsciously willed it or because you were destined to be here?
2: I, I consciously willed it. I actually brought it on. And I said, I am going to be on the podcast for a third time by episode five. And here we are.
0: All right. Well done. That's excellent manifesting, Phil. Why don't we (laughs) go ahead and uh, move into segment one. We'll do our home game. We'll start, of course, with the Cleveland Browns. Now 10-4 and after a win that I think is really impressive and somehow feels like a better win than the Tennessee win uh, and certainly better than the near win against the Ravens. But we had an offensive line that came in, banged up, and got even more banged up almost immediately, but still played great. Baker was outstanding, and the defense did everything that it needed to do to get that win. So Chuck, I'd I'd like to know what you think has changed with this team from earlier in the year and has them playing so well right now.
1: Probably time with... COVID in no real training camp, in no preseason, no time for anything to really gel before or hit the ground running when the season starts. You're seeing, like I said last week, an offense that's getting progressively better every week, not just at skill positions, but the line. So I think it's just time. Uh, They've had a chance to play together. It seems like they're more comfortable with the playbook, both offensively and defensively, even with injuries, uh, which was awesome to watch last night. It was another Sunday evening uh, that I went to bed happy, even though uh, where they lost. It was a great game. What do you think, Phil? I agree. I think watching
2: last night's game, it was almost... Like a very professional win. Twice they got the ball on their own five and marched down the field and turned that 95-yard drive into touchdowns both times. They didn't do it with the big play. They just kind of chipped away at yardage and converted third down after third down.
0: Yeah, I had our um, I had our stat department look into when the last time. <laughs> that sounds the... dangerously like preparation. <laughs> yeah. It really sounds
1: like preparation. <laughs>
0: When was the last time the Browns had two 95-yard touchdown drives in a game? Did it ever happen? We couldn't find anything. Oh, okay. So- oh, we, didn't look, we didn't look real hard. But <laughs> <laughs>
2: So we're back to being unprepared. But- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um- That was the first time in the NFL that that has happened since 1920s Giants team or something. It was it was uh, I don't remember. I'm making that part up, but it was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The you know, back to your question, I think the offense really looks good now. It looks like it can move the ball and score in many different ways. There's always the threat of the big play the pacing and the timing is working better and better every week because it's one more week of running the same system. So on the offensive side of the ball, despite some injuries to some pretty significant players, uh, they're really moving the ball well.
0: I think that what surprised me about last night's game was it was pretty clear early on that they were going to struggle running the ball. The Giants have a good run defense. The offensive line, like I said a minute ago, was pretty banged up. And it felt like from the first quarter on, we need to rely on Baker to win this game. And that's exactly what he did. He was pretty flawless yesterday. I mean, good decisions yeah. on when to run or when to get rid of the ball. Good decisions in finding people on third downs. Good throws all over the field. And, you know, The accuracy issues that he has had last season and I think earlier this year seem to be gone. So, I mean, all around, it's really surprised to see that he was the guy carrying the team last night.
1: Yeah, just his confidence. You can see it, right? Because he's kind of a prick uh, if he doesn't play for your team. I would hate, probably hate his guts because he's always smiling and running around and tiptoeing and dancing. But to see him take over a game and be able to do it and really his his only miscue kind of ended up being a touchdown where he should have thrown to a wide open guy but hits Landry in a super tight window so to me it's just like he probably said why not let's see if i could do it and he, and he can so it made yeah. me it's amazing to watch good quarterback play just because we haven't had it for so long uh that everything seems amazing to me last night when it came to him whatever he was doing he really is uh i mean i'm i guess most
2: quarterbacks are this way but he is really a rhythm guy like he gets so into the rhythm of the game what did he throw five incompletions total i think in the game yeah. he, he completed like that sounds good of 33 I, again i'm making that up check with the stat department. (laughs) It was pretty impressive. And uh, to your point, Chuck, his quarterback play, even over the last three games, has been probably the best we've seen, certainly in a Browns uniform in a long time. You know, that's for sure.
0: So I'm not a huge fan of Chris Collinsworth. I think he had a fair point last night that Garrett doesn't look the same right now. Yeah, Different right. guy. Last night, definitely the week before. I don't know if you can say that it's anything else, but the fact that he had COVID and it may be impacting his play right now.
1: He, he even came out and said it after the game. Tweeted something even later after he talked about it saying how it's he's still feeling those effects and that he had a massive coughing fit after the game and couldn't catch his breath and just how affected his lungs have been. But you're right. Like Typically when I'm watching D-line, I'm always isolating on him because he's so yeah. dominant. And last night he just looked like a very average defensive lineman or defensive end not a lot of strength not a lot of speed it, it's cool because the defense played pretty well the other lineman did all right for him but man like i know and phil being the medical advisor for the pod yep. like, i know everybody's everybody's <laughs> affected differently by covid and it just seems like you know lamar jackson as long as didn't seem affected last week yeah, uh, right, <laughs> right. But it sucks yeah. when it's your best
2: player. Well, it's interesting because it, slowly more information is coming out about Miles Garrett personally. And he basically said that every adverse effect you can suffer from COVID, he had it all. Like he he was really, really ill. Whereas I think other guys... Oh, said, he's not dead. That seems nope, like an adverse nope. effect of That would be the worst. <laughs> so I suppose all but one then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you're right, Chuck. Like, I was kind of just watching his play on certain plays just to see how he was doing. And, you know, in the past where he was like always backside pursuit no matter what, even if the play was running away from him, you know, because he was so fast, he would often catch that running back making a cutback or what have you. He, he was just kind of being stood up by the, the rookie tackle. And you could tell he was just exhausted. He was absolutely exhausted. So you start to wonder, like, at the end of a game like that where the Browns are up two scores, you hate to say this about Miles Garrett, but what's he doing on the field? You know, yeah. like, let's, let's get him out of there, let him rest, and get someone in there that can breathe. <laughs> I don't think Billy um, Bosa played any snaps yesterday. I he, saw, I he, he actually got flagged for a penalty on special not a Billy Bosa moment.
0: No. Uh, well, our, our boy uh, Sendejo was not playing yesterday. Hopefully he's <laughs> resting up and getting better, too, and he'll be coming out of the protocol with no short-term or long-term issues. But do you guys have any Sendejo ish moments
2: from the game? I can think of one that, while it happened, I thought, well, oh, this is kind of Sendejo ish <laughs> The ridiculous bowling snap from Treader to, to <laughs> oh, Baker Mayfield yeah. uh, when Mayfield was under center. It wasn't even a shotgun, and he just kind of like rolled the ball the other way. Uh, I actually thought that was one of Stefanski's lousy trick plays. Like he was trying <laughs>
0: to roll the ball directly to Hunt, and somehow that was going to be a good idea.
1: Yeah. Other than that, it was a pretty clean game, right? Yeah, I mean, super wasn't, clean. Uh, can can I can we give it to kitchens for the, for the play call? You know, like the no. But we're gonna single? get to him. Oh, all
0: right. <laughs> no, I think the the most ish moment of the entire thing was the fact that the defense played really great without him. For the whole game. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> yeah,
1: Chucky. Thanks for jumping the gun just a little sorry. bit. Sorry, uh, I burped all over it. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Do you miss Freddie Kitchens' red zone play calling? <laughs>
1: To see it from a different angle last night? Not at all. I mean, like, (laughs) you, you would take the points. No. I mean, I did notice... I was comparing him when they showed him early in the game, like to Tommy, because you know Tommy and him are like twins. And I'm like, you know, he looks all right. Freddie looks like he might have dropped a few pounds, uh, but it was hard to tell with that super mask he was wearing. Yeah, I was gonna say the, More yeah. like look more like a turtleneck or a dicky <laughs> than the dicky. The dicky, <laughs> a pretty serious dicky. Very slimming. The black dicky uh, covering his mouth uh, is slimming. Yeah, but I did think I can't remember, but I did think like two or three really well designed plays that he called up, probably that Jason. And Garrett design but they're mostly like backside or slant stuff across the middle I'm like man that's a pretty decent looking play mostly to the tight end stuff which you know he kind of did pretty well here I guess but I don't miss his play calling no not at all Yeah, I do think you miss some about of.
2: Freddie Phil <laughs> nothing. Uh, maybe his midweek presser. I don't know. <laughs> like that always that always lend us some pretty interesting quotes. But I think some of the success the Giants had yesterday was despite Freddie's play calling. I think it was actually a veteran Colt McCoy, you know, making some pretty good passes here and there. Our defense being a little thin as it is. You know, they marched down the field a couple times in that first half and came away with nothing. It was a, a, a breath of fresh air to be on the other side of a Freddie Kitchens called football game. I will say that for sure. of <laughs> the
1: the things that kind of shocked me about yesterday i'm pretty sure they said colt mccoy's only 34 Mm. and it felt like he played here 20 years ago right right and he looked like he was our age with that beer he he didn't he hasn't aged all that well maybe it's from all the massive hits he took here and then in washington but (laughs) i thought he did all right other than hearing screaming omaha constant replay There's 20 seconds left in the game. He's still screaming Omaha. (laughs) Yeah, Mix it up, man.
0: He was solid. I mean, that's what you want from your veteran backup, right? He can come in and he didn't really do anything to lose the game for him. They just didn't have enough to win the game. That was all. Moving on, um, we've got the Jets on a winning streak. Any ideas for for next week, guys?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I got to think they go in there – I mean, really, they return to the same field and take the same approach. Like just wherever we get the ball, just march down the field and put points on the board. I I was – everyone was surprised the Jets beat the Rams, but maybe maybe that works in our favor. The the chances of that team winning two in a row can't be that good, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Right.
2: But I want to see a Browns team getting ready to go into the playoffs. So go out there and handle your business. Don't rely on a bad team and you win,
1: you know, accidentally. Go out there and just handle your business. I think they should steamroll them. The one thing I I like about this Browns team as they continue to progress is that they're not playing down to the level of competition. Doesn't, you know, like the teams typically have done that in the past, not Browns teams, but better teams than the Browns in the past. So I I think they go in, like Phil said, they handle business, uh, hopefully run the ball a little better, I would assume, than they did against the Giants and Baker stays hot and, and you match up really nicely against the Steelers and
0: you got to love the Steelers we're recording this on Monday night and it is beginning of the third quarter and the Steelers are still losing 17 nothing to the Bengals right now and Ben
2: Roethlisberger is just throwing the ball all over the field and I don't know who he's throwing to
0: because it's not <laughs> getting
2: to receivers yards. he has 19 yards of passing and it's in the third quarter don't you think uh the Browns and the Ravens are playing the best right now in this division well
0: right this second the Bengals are playing really well well, they're, they've been mathematically
2: eliminated. They have two wins. Don't tell them that. <laughs> yeah, well, good for them. Uh, <laughs> name their starting quarterback. I have no idea. The Ravens and the Browns are probably playing the best football right now in this division. And there's a chance that both of those teams make the playoffs, in addition to the division-winning Steelers, but probably just one of the. Baltimore or Cleveland teams, right? I think 11
0: and five is going to be the number. I think that's the record that it's going to take to get in.
2: And yeah, I agree with that. I, I think Baltimore and Cleveland could could end up eleven and five, and if everyone else is eleven and five, maybe Baltimore doesn't get in because they don't own tiebreakers against the Titans or the Colts like we do. I'm not sure. I guess an, I don't know. An eleven and five team can be like all of the wild card teams in the AFC could be eleven and five, and there could be four teams at that record. So one is kind of on the outside looking in. I, I, don't, know. I, I, get to I stat, don't get the stat get the stat division on this. <laughs>
0: But that's the thing is like we would have the – the Browns would have the tiebreak over the Titans and the Colts. Right. But we definitely wouldn't have it over the Ravens. Ravens.
2: Right. So we wouldn't – So then it comes I feel like down we need the- to
0: play another game or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: How do we figure this out? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a podcast somewhere being recorded where the guys actually know what the various scenarios are right now. and they've Oh, yeah, that's, so, that's boring. boring out that they're <laughs> providing good information to their listeners.
2: That's absolutely boring. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's like the guy on the NFL pregame stuff now doing the uh, percentages of – the guy from the election that does the percentages yeah. oh, now for yeah. – Oh, my God. He's got we a lot of energy. We don't yeah. need
1: that. <laughs> no, we really don't.
0: <laughs> Any idea what the line for the Browns-Jets game is, Chucky?
1: I think it opened up at like 10 and a half, maybe maybe. maybe half or 11, Um, which is, you know, that's a big number. Yeah. The last time the Browns were double digit favorites on the road. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. On the road. That's a big number.
0: All right, boys. Well, I think we've chopped up the Browns pretty well. Thank you. Why don't we uh, take our first break and we'll move into our on the road segment. This episode of unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by the worst marketing firm ever. WMFE is the industry leader in crafting terrible commercials designed for any audience. The ad guys at WMFE are the wizards behind such classically terrible but effective commercials like What's in Your Wallet, Jake from State Farm, and anything that combines Charles Barkley, Spike Lee, and Samuel L. Jackson. WMFE is ready to help you sell your product with its time-tested combination of bad acting, bad writing, and Pavlovian repetition. Good marketing doesn't come from creativity or humor, and WMFE stands ready to prove this to its clients and an undeserving public just trying to watch a game. Want your audience to love your product but hate your brand? WMFE can and will make that happen. All right, welcome back to segment two. We go on the road, and we'll start with the college football playoff, which ended exactly, I think, how we expected it to last week. Clemson beats Notre Dame pretty soundly, but Notre Dame stays in the top four. Ohio State does what it needs to do to get past Northwestern. And so our top four remain the same. No change from before. Uh, what do you guys think about that?
1: I felt really good last week talking about it. So I'm glad it, it turned out that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, Notre Dame's not as strong as they thought they were. It was it, like I, I kind of said to the group in the group text, thanks for keeping me. Somewhat on the verge of what was happening in the Buckeyes game because I was I was moving my sister, uh, but I did get to see highlights later in the game. It's like why why did they ever throw the ball if yeah. they were running it that well, especially with their I never even saw him run the ball at all this year. As always seemed like Master Teague was getting handoff. This kid, Jesus, looks like he's a stud. He's gonna be like one of those dudes who doesn't play much, gets drafted, and is a stud in the NFL. He just has a yeah. body type. I think they they got it right. I know Cincinnati probably was like oh we did everything we should have, but they're not Notre Dame. You and it, like we talked about ratings and revenue, and, and they're not Notre Dame. So I'm happy with the way it turned out. I think you'll have some lopsided games. I think Alabama rolls over Notre Dame, and I love Dabo Sweeney is such a prick. <laughs> uh, he's such a dick. So I, why, why do
0: you say that, Chuck?
1: <laughs> <laughs> because he, would he have the Ohio State ranked 11th? 11th. I think.
2: Did he
0: give any explanation for
2: that? Well, he said something yesterday about the fact that he didn't mention Ohio State by name, but he's like, clearly, he's like, all right, some of these teams up for the playoffs have played twice as many games as others, those people don't even deserve to be in consideration for the top four. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I don't know. I think uh, you know, as you guys discussed last week and we talked a, a couple weeks ago too, these are the four teams that the NCAA they had to have in the playoffs this year. I mean this is this is how they 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 get their commercial dollar. I, I, I agree with you, Chuck. I think we might be looking at some pretty boring playoff games yeah. until it's essentially Clemson and Alabama in the final. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, they could surprise us. I, I well, just I'm really glad
0: that we didn't have Burke on tonight. Yeah, a I, I think he would have jumped here. through the Zoom and <laughs> yeah. strangled Denko for calling Clemson as the winner. That's, this is Phil. I'm sorry, man. This is the Matt Miller School of Driving. Pump the brakes, moment of yes. the podcast. <laughs> Pump your brakes, Phil. Are you saying that you think Ohio State is going to get run over by Clemson?
2: I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I'm going to root for the Buckeyes because that's what I do. I root for a lot of teams that come up short. (laughs) But uh, uh, I feel like talent-wise, the Buckeyes can match up against anybody. But uh, if you watch them play this year, they could have really used a full schedule. They could have used 10 or 11 games to get their shit together and, and really understand their their offensive flow, and their defense has been really underwhelming, I think. You've got these first-round draft picks all over the field, and teams are throwing the ball all over against you, and I don't know. So if I take my fandom out of it a little bit, if all goes to plan for the NCAA, you're looking at an Alabama-Clemson final. Now, if there's an upset to be had next week, I mean, I think the Buckeyes are 75 dogs if there's an upset to be had next week it's Ohio State somehow upsetting Clemson yeah I think
0: that seeing the way that they ran the ball against Northwestern is nice it seems they've missed all season long was they missed that J.K. Dobbins type of dominant breakout back who can take over a game the way that the guy did I can't even think of his name right now that's how obscure
2: he Trey, was. Trey Sermon <laughs> Trey Sermon there you go yeah.
0: that's yeah. right yeah just keep giving the ball to Sermon it's nice to see them have that dimension because like Teague is a good running back, but he's not that guy who's going to break a game open for you. Defense is still a concern, but I agree with you. It's, it's almost like they should try to still get that coastal Carolina game in <laughs> exactly.
2: before, before the playoffs,
0: just to, just to shake some of the rust off because now what yeah. do they have three weeks, two weeks, three weeks off before they play again?
2: It's two weeks, right? Uh, January 1st is the, is the game. So they, they miss a weekend in between, right? So the same thing they've been doing and they, yeah. They kind of seem clunky coming out of that week off. Yeah. You know, Trey Sermon is a good running. I mean, he had a good game against the Buckeyes when Baker Mayfield was handing him the ball right. for Oklahoma. You right. know, uh, It's just Northwestern was trying to stop the Buckeyes running attack with guys that might play in the CFL, and Clemson's going to be stopping it with guys that will most definitely be playing in the NFL. We'll see. We'll see. Go Bucs. <laughs> sorry, sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. Mark. <laughs> um, are there any
0: good arguments for... Texas A&M or Cincinnati being in the playoff, either in place of Ohio State or Notre Dame?
1: Sure, but the only thing <laughs> well, that matters... I can't mattered, think of any. <laughs> the, 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 sure, you know, they have better records or whatever, but... Um. The only thing that matters this time of year, because you're, you're not really selling a lot of tickets, is add dollars and add revenue and how much you can charge for 30 seconds of air. And those four teams would command a higher spot rate than, you know, more eyeballs watch those than than would Cincinnati or Texas A&M. So
2: it's just all
0: about money. Yeah, yeah.
1: usually.
2: <laughs> usually. <laughs> well, I, I think this year, I, I think I said this a few weeks ago, wouldn't it be nice if the if the selection committee was just completely transparent and said, hey, listen, yes.
1: <laughs> this is what we're
2: doing and this is why, sorry, but this is what, how we're going to move forward. Uh, and what did Texas a ms only loss came to Alabama, right? At Alabama, I, I think that's their only loss. Sounds right. Sounds yeah. right. Let me check with the <laughs> stats department. Yeah. Yep, they, um, they agreed. <laughs> so you're basically looking at another potential rematch, and all right, Texas A&M's not going to bring the following that Notre Dame does. So if somehow Notre Dame upsets Alabama there might be a rematch with Clemson. But at that point, it's going to be a Notre Dame-Ohio State final, right? (laughs) Sure. Something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So
0: setting setting the money side apart, given the crazy year we've had, isn't this the year that some non-Power 5 conference team should get into the championship? And if they don't, isn't this really a sign that it's silly to have Power 5 conferences and whatever they call the next level of conference down from that, competing for the same championship. Shouldn't we just separate out the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12, and let them play for their own championship and let these other guys, like the Cincinnati's or the, you know, remember when Idaho had teams that were good or something like that.
1: You know, Boise, like, State. The, Boise State. <laughs> Boise State. Boise <laughs> State. I don't know. I don't they're know. <laughs> still pretty good, actually. I think they're a top 20 team, top 25.
0: But isn't this a joke? Like, it, it's those somewhat smaller schools it's crazy to call them that because they're still d1 schools but those somewhat smaller schools are never going to win the argument when they go 12 and 0 and you get to go back to them and say yeah but you didn't play you know this many ranked teams or you didn't play this tough a conference schedule and and, and so you don't stack up with even a one loss team or, or at times maybe a two loss team that that's in the SEC or the ACC or or the Big Ten.
1: This would have been a great year because of COVID to take that four-team playoff and just, you know, you saw the NBA do it differently and the NHL do it differently. Oh, I, would love, yeah. I would love to have seen them done eight teams. Yeah. And then I would be ecstatic to see Coastal Carolina play if they got in or A&M or Cincinnati. Uh, and maybe they get rolled up by Alabama by 40. But that's not much. And then we can stop
0: having this argument, right? Right. (laughs) There's a reason (laughs) why these schools get in every
1: year. (laughs) I mean, like, if if you think back, really, the only was Boise State, like the only small school that won against a gigantic opponent and probably the greatest college football game I ever watched. But I I would have liked to have seen eight teams this year just because, you know, like all bets are off this year with almost everything and especially sports. So why not put eight teams in there and let Alabama just add. Coastal Carolina or some team like this. <laughs> I might have to edit that. <laughs> it's a good way to get COVID, I think. <laughs> But I, I think it would be nice. This would have been the year to do it just because of COVID. Yeah,
2: I agree. I, mean, I think, like you said, Chuck, you see it in, in the other, albeit professional leagues, but let's be honest. College football is a professional league in some sense that... They're using this as an excuse to expand playoffs. Right. Uh, baseball did it and will probably not go back now you know, right. because yeah. of the money it made. So I would have liked them to take advantage of that too and said, all right, this year this is not going to happen necessarily going forward, but we're going to expand this to eight teams and just so we see how it plays out and give these teams these extra games or what have you. To your question, Gerds about the Power Five, theres I don't know if this will ever happen, but there's been talk about like the Power five conferences for football actually breaking themselves out of the NCAA yeah. and creating like here's our playoffs this we're gonna send the conference winners so there's five teams plus three wild cards or whatever they might be into a playoff. Who seriously who's not watching that? <laughs> you know, I mean, right. and then and then everyone else has their own tournament for some other trophy. I, I don't know. It just and the seems... other thing about
0: that that it, that would be interesting is the fact that if they break out from the NCAA and from the BCS to run their own, well not the BCS anymore with the College Football playoffs, If they break away from those organizations and form their own football league, they don't have to follow any of those rules, and that would be fantastic to not be stuck with the NCAA's rules for for running those
2: programs. So what do, what do you think? From a legal point of view, I guess, what do you think is keeping them from doing that?
0: From a legal point of view, I would have to think that they are bound in some way to the current system... With contracts. So the current playoff system, it has to be contractual. Probably T V deals and stuff like that are also tied into that. I don't know what keeps these schools in the NCAA. And I don't know if it's there are rules that say like you you're not allowed to break one sport out. You can't take your football team out of the NCAA without taking all of your programs out of the NCAA, which probably doesn't make any sense. So that, so that
2: might be it right there, actually. That might be again, they're never gonna be this honest where they say at Ohio State. Ohio State football is making billions of dollars for the athletic department for this for this school. If they were to separate out, we wouldn't get the funding for the other 50 sports we fund through the football program. You, you know, I, I don't know. Well, that, I think the university could say
0: we're going to we'll keep doling do- out the money the same way we always have. It doesn't matter where we play. I mean, all you're really looking to do is say there are five college football conferences that by far dominate the entire country and are at a level of competition that nobody who is a step below them can reach. And just let those five conferences duke it out for a championship. And then let everybody else play for you know whatever they want to play for. Create another playoff system. It's just more games and more TV and more money for everybody. What bugs me about this system is that you have a season like this one that has been somewhat strange with the way that teams have played different schedules and different amounts of games. And you have an undefeated Cincinnati team that doesn't get into the playoff. To me, that that is proof that nobody outside the top, those top five conferences is, is ever getting into this thing. Uh, and so why do, why do we make them play for it? Why not give them a shot to play for? It? something on a, on a more even playing field. But Chuck totally dodged a question. <laughs> Biden answering questions at a debate or something like that, man, it slid right off. He made That's a great point on something else. And it, was, and it was really good and it was interesting, but it wasn't an answer to my question. Do you guys know when the college football bowl season starts?
2: Jeez, probably tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah.
0: Wrong. It started today at 2.30. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, man. Who the won? Mer- The Myrtle Beach Bowl was today. I have no idea. It was Um, Appalachian State versus
1: North Texas. Who do you think won? Nobody wins in Myrtle Beach. Uh. (laughs) Who Appalachian State and who? North North Texas? Texas? I think that's where Scott Bakula went to... Only because they, didn't Appalachian State beat Michigan one year, like within the last 10 to 15 years? So I'm going to say they won.
0: No, Appalachian State beat Michigan in like 1998 when we were in college, I think. It's way more than 10 years
1: ago. But but it happened. Yeah. So there's a prestige to that program to not (laughs) only be invited to the Myrtle Beach Bowl, but also uh, to beat the North Texas Mean Green. Is that what they are? The are they, the Rattlesnakes. Can somebody <laughs> look that up
2: for us and see who won today's football game? <laughs> Kathy Ireland is their kicker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Scott Bakula
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, 40-year-old quarterback. <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't throw it to Stonehand. So
0: <laughs> December 22nd, which is tomorrow, uh, we have the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl <laughs> between the University of Central Florida and BYU. Who do you guys have in that one?
1: i'll take central florida yeah yeah most of those byu guys have to go on their missions that's right yeah i
0: think so i think they get to finish the season (laughs) the top 20 ranked team (laughs) okay so chuck's on ucf so phil
2: gets byu perfect we're gonna what's the line on that game
0: (laughs) do we have a line (laughs) we don't christmas day don't miss the camellia bowl between marshall and buffalo Oh hey! And I they, like that. they 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 play this thing in a stadium stadium called the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. That's some matching right there. Let's get some
2: yeah. action. Yeah. Some <laughs> action. All right. So who, Denko, who do you have? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Buffalo to take care of the thundering herd from Marshall. I don't know what. You the like line the way is. Jared
0: Allen's been playing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like their all red uniforms. Am I thinking <laughs> of the right team? <laughs> I would take Buffalo, too, even though I think both. Sorry, teams. you got Marshall. I'll take Marshall, then, just because <laughs> Randy Moss and Chad Henney went there. Right, Right.
2: and uh, Byron Leftwich, too, right? Byron yeah, Leftwich, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they probably have some eligibility left. They could probably suit sure. up for that.
0: So there, there are still a lot of bowl games, which actually surprises me, because I would have thought COVID would have eliminated – A lot of these Christmas Day through New Year's Eve bowl games, but it hasn't. December 30th is the Duke's Mayo Bowl between Wake Forest and Wisconsin.
2: Have you had Duke's Mayo? You made me buy it for our trip. Oh, that's right. It's delicious. It's really good mayonnaise. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Wait, Sorry, you want to Wake
0: Forest? It's Wake Forest and Wisconsin.
1: I would take Wisconsin only because I haven't seen Wake Forest play any, uh, anything meaning, meaningful but basketball in the last 30 years. So, yeah, I'll go with Wisconsin. I, I'm pretty sure Tim Duncan will be playing in that bowl game for, for the Demon Deacons. and uh, so,
2: so I get stuck with Wake Forest.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit these next week and, uh, and see how you guys did. And if you could, in the meantime, please watch the games and let me know what happens. Sure. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's take, uh, take our last break and we'll head on to our off the field segment and talk some stuff that isn't sports related. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Tammy, I'm getting really sick of something.
1: Ugh, what's that? The kids?
0: No, well, maybe a little. But really, I'm getting sick and tired of all this hair right on the top of my head. It's everywhere up there and it's really bugging me.
1: Jason, I think I know what you need. You do? What? You need Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover.
0: What? A hair remover? How does that work?
1: It's easy. Rub Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover on the top of your head and watch your hair disappear.
0: Holy cow. A product like that must be really expensive. Huh,
1: you would think, but you would be wrong. For less than the cost of two haircuts, you can be really bald every day.
0: Should I try it?
1: Hells yeah, baby. Other than your face, your body, and your height, Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover will have you looking like Dwayne The Rock Johnson in no time.
0: Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover for Men. Sick of hair? Grab some Denko. All right, welcome back, guys. Our last segment of the day, we're going off the field. And we haven't talked too much about COVID this episode, so I figure we should probably try to get some of that in. I'm hopeful that there is a light at the end of the tunnel with all of the news about the vaccines coming out. and, And hopefully that means that we are closer to the end of this than the beginning. But I was thinking about this today and the fact that the three of us work in very different industries. But I have a feeling we've all had to change the way we work in the last year because of COVID restrictions. And I'm, I'm wondering, first of all, what your experiences have been, what's been good or bad. And most importantly, what do you think stays and, and what do you think goes back to the way it was before in your day-to-day work life? Checking.
1: Uh, let me start with the positive. It allowed me to spend more time at home with my newborn child. Uh, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's born in January. Uh, I accepted a job in March, and a month later, it was, hey, work from home. So that was great. Th- there are things in, in my industry that you can't do from home. I will be there at the at the radio station to get some stuff done, uh, production work or whatever that I can't do on my, or can't voice it like we can this podcast. What um, is your what is your
0: job title right now, Chuggy?
1: So I'm, I'm basically an operations manager. I run, oversee the day-to-day operations for three radio stations. Everything, basically. I'm in charge of programming and promoting promotion and marketing and content and digital and all that stuff so how it changes uh as an industry as a whole not my company because they're they're locally owned but a lot of people who got furloughed will never come back iHeart just finished another RIF, which is a reduction in force. He destroyed Cleveland. The market there, like probably 70% of the employees there are gone and will never come back. So you'll start seeing uh, from a radio perspective, one jock on hundreds of stations at the same time playing the same songs. Like this has kind of happened as it is already, but it will it'll never go back to what it was 2 years ago or 5 years ago or 10 years ago those those days are over i think you're seeing though now too that a lot of people are able to perform as talent on air from home it's not much different than what you, what, what you're doing what you have to mix this down you have a microphone you have probably a little soundboard uh, obviously no, people. I don't even have a sound. Oh, you know, have a that's sound. That's amazing. Right, right. I so, wish so, I did. That sounds yeah. cool. Christmas yeah, is so. still a few days away. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> uh, so most of these people, they, they don't have to be in a studio. And I'm getting really deep diving here. And I'm sorry, the FCC changed a rule about two years ago that you don't have to broadcast from your city of license anymore. So, really? yeah. So, so you could... Be basically running a radio station on a computer in Erie, Pennsylvania, but it could go to hundreds of stations all over. You don't. It, that doesn't matter anymore. Those top of the hour IDs that you hear that say whatever, you know, Brunswick, Cleveland, those are just for show now. So I, I think you see a lot of bigger places closing their offices. That's the one thing that you don't need that overhead anymore studios mm-hmm. can be anywhere computers can be anywhere talent can be anywhere uh, and i don't think it's much different than than what a, a lot of other people have gone through in different industries but to think radio survives i think covid not i'm not saying that they use it as an excuse but this was coming that they were going to just eliminate a ton of people in this industry uh whether whether it was because it accelerated it a little it, bit it absolutely yeah it absolutely accelerated it because technology has caught up to what what they wanted to do from the for the last 10 years, yeah. that's how it affects us.
0: And Phil, you're, you're head of infectious diseases for the Cleveland
2: Clinic? <laughs> <Plank. Yeah. laughs> so I'm bad
1: news for everybody.
2: <laughs> don't worry about radio. <laughs> no, I work in outpatient orthopedics and sports medicine. I still see patients as a physical therapist, but I, I kind of uh, I work on both sides of, of the line, so to speak. There, I'm, I'm in administration as well. So what has changed for me that I don't see going away because of some of the positives is so many of my meetings in the past from an administrator's role, I was driving all over the Cleveland area to go sit down in a boardroom with various other leaders and have these monthly meetings. Some will continue that way, and I think it's important that they do, but the vast majority of them, even after all of this, will, will stay in a virtual setting. It just saves everyone so much time yeah. and so much money. You know, Not that Cleveland's a huge city, but there are times where, all right, I could leave a meeting at nine in the morning south of town and it could take me an hour and a half to take the same drive that took me 20 minutes to get there just because of timing on the highway. So I I do think from a time perspective, uh, an efficiency perspective, the virtual meetings in my role will continue from an administrative side. From a patient care side, through all of this, we've never stopped seeing patients. Early on, uh, in the early part of the pandemic, again, in outpatient orthopedics, you know, none of that is emergency type care. Our, Our patient volumes decreased considerably, and we actually we actually moved a, a virtual physical therapy option for some folks and some insurances actually paid for it. And it was kind of like an emergency ruling at the state level to allow that to occur just to carry some of these patients through their, their post-operative care. They're high risk. They couldn't come into the clinic. As you can imagine, physical therapy is not really well done over a virtual right. platform. <laughs> there, there tends to be you know, the physical nature of it. So either hands-on or, or some sort of mobility exercise type thing to get this person rehabilitated. We We rebounded all the way. We're back to not only patient volumes equal, but exceeding that of pre-COVID. So, uh, so is the the, virtual thing going to stick around? No, I I think what insurance providers have agreed to to reimburse for care done virtually by a physical therapist based on licensure. So, I can only see someone. I could treat someone in the state of Ohio. They have to be in the state of Ohio, even if they're on their computer. Right. So, unlike what Chuck was just describing, but they they've extended that through the end of this year. Uh, they'll probably push that maybe. Some of them will decide to go another quarter into 2021 just because of what's going on in society. And the way they look at that is as an insurance provider, large insurance providers, if one of your subscribers has an orthopedic injury and it requires a surgical repair, if you don't, if you aren't allowed some sort of rehab, they're going to end up spending way more money in the long run because it's going to be a poor outcome. There's going to be years of continued care and these kind of things. So they were willing to let us guide these people virtually where in the past there was never any kind of virtual sure. platform. It may stick around in some capacity, like maybe a post-op follow-up kind of thing. So the person doesn't have to come in, but the vast majority of that person's care would still be in person. So yeah, it's it's been interesting because unlike a lot of other industries, I've never stopped going to work. It just some of my job has changed slightly. You
0: no, know, I had been working from home and working remotely since I left Vegas. The work that I was doing didn't change at all when the pandemic hit. I didn't have an office outside of my house to go to and everything I did was online anyway. And and so it really wasn't change. What I've seen in the last year is the rest of the legal industry starting to slide into that same mold where you used to have an issue. If you wanted to take somebody's deposition by video, you had to find a court reporter. To go sit with the person wherever they were because you had to be in the, the witness, had to be in the same room as a court reporter to be sworn in. And now, you know, because nobody wants to be in the same room with anybody else, we don't do that anymore. Now we all yeah. just agree that, yeah, we don't care where the person is administering the oath. You know, they're on the screen. We see the person raise the hand and swear the oath. That's all we need. And that makes it, it just makes it so much more efficient yeah. and so much more cost effective for clients. I, I had the court here in town in Michigan ask this week if I wanted to. Do a trial by Zoom. It's a bench trial, so it's just a judge. There's no jury. Uh, But that that's unheard of. Yeah, sure. Never even. But pre-COVID, you never thought of that happening. And I don't think that will continue. Trials will continue to be in person. That's a little bit too important. But I can see a, a regular change to doing hearings depositions, other types of functions that you would normally do in person being done remotely now. And and maybe uh, a change where you don't see these gigantic law firms existing in the same way anymore, because like you're saying, what do you need the overhead of three or four floors of a giant office building to stick? you know, 75 attorneys and a hundred staff in when you can keep everybody at home and you've got enough technology and enough good systems to, to keep it all running smoothly. And the client will never see a drop off in service. I, I have a feeling that there's going to come a time five to 10 years from now where we have a glut of office space in the real estate market that nobody's renting because
1: yeah. it's going to be like Rust town factories, you know, like just yeah. office buildings 10 right. to 15 years from now. Yeah.
0: I don't know if it's a good thing, man. Like there's, so much good community and interaction in a workplace and that may may be coming more and more isolated all the time guys this no. is a bummer yeah, it really is <laughs> You know that there is a U.S. Space Force.
1: <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah.
0: And do you know that they recently decided what they were going to call the members of the U.S. Space Force? I do. I do. <laughs> <Yeah. All right. laughs> we are really prepared for it. <laughs> can you? Okay. Well, first of all, what are they going to call them? The
1: Guardians.
0: All right. And can you tell me who the Chief of Space Operations is?
1: Not uh, the VP. Well, well, I saw Pence at a press conference. He was no, somebody, no. This somebody is somebody a, a this is a
0: military player. guy. It's active duty. Space Force is a division of the Air Force, and so know, there's a general in charge of that. His name is John W.J. Raymond. He is the chief of space operations. Um, do you know that space operations responsibilities include developing military space professionals? No. <laughs>
1: this is can, fantastic. Can I ask a question, though, while you're... <laughs> yeah. like, no, John, you don't even need to this, raise your hand, Chuck. Nobody his, can is see you. Him, this is, this yeah. is radio, man. Is his name, John J... What is it? John W... Oh. Okay, John John W., has he ever been to space?
0: (laughs) Boy, I don't know. That
1: should be a requirement. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to reach out to General Raymond's people, see what his experience is. Maybe we can get him on the pod and talk to us a little bit about what space professionals are going to do, because that sounds pretty cool. And I'm a little bit sad that uh, my military career ended, you know, 15 years ago before I had a chance to be a space
2: Isn't there a spoof of this on Netflix?
1: There, There about- is. Yeah, uh, right. Show. Yeah, with, with what's Steve his name? Carrell.
2: Steve Carell the lead.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't so very is, good. No. So
2: is, is our government just now mimic sitcoms? Bad sitcoms. <laughs> Bad sitcoms that didn't even get picked up for a second season? This is terrible.
0: Like the insignia? For like their uniforms, it looks like a Star Trek logo, yeah. and it's just like I definitely understand the need for having a military-ready space presence. That's good forward thinking, but it's like we, like you're saying, like it's, they've made it into like it's a TV show. They called them. Guardians is kind of a silly name. I think I don't know why we had to call them. Anything, why they couldn't just be airmen the way they are in the Air Force? But
2: maybe that removes the guardians as an option for our Cleveland baseball club. So, so in in a roundabout way, this could be a good thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, there you go, <laughs> Chuckie. You actually alluded to this a few minutes ago, but I was thinking as we. Um, head into the last pod before Christmas. This is going to be your first Christmas as a dad. It is. And that's pretty cool, man. And, you know, Denko and I have both been through it many times. But I was wondering if there was anything, like, you've got in mind or anything you're you're thinking about as you head into
1: Christmas this year with Chip around. Because we're traveling, we'll do our Christmas on, like, Christmas Eve Eve. I, I don't think he's going to understand opening presents. So I assume it's a, another Just year so or two before. doesn't seem like that bright a kid? <laughs> yeah, he's not there yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think it's another year or two before. Before I actually see like excitement for opening a present, I'm assuming. Uh, So for me, what I'm going to be most into is seeing her parents and my mom with him on the holiday. My sister, my, you know, my, his cousins, um, my sister's kids. He's a sweet kid and he's a lot of fun. He's always happy and everybody's always happy around him. So it's, it's a nice vibe to have, especially around the holiday. So I'm interested to see like even Whitney's grandmother, who would be his great grandmother, see just the amount of stuff that people buy for him.
2: Uh, yeah. That I have no room. So I might yeah. be
1: sending, uh, you guys might be getting Secret Santa all year long from me awesome. with some like, yeah, some like counting or maracas or something that makes yeah, noise. Right. But yeah, that's that's what I'm most looking forward to is, is seeing how the family welcomes a new member for this cool. holiday.
0: Yeah, go on, well, Dango. Your boys are wonderful ages for Christmas because yeah. they are definitely. I'm I'm assuming they're definitely a hundred percent into Santa and they get the holiday and they're going to be freaking out and be excited about it.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you know, so my my boys are are six and four. Logan, who, who you guys brought up on the pod last week, I mean, minutes after sustaining a pretty significant fracture, was worried that he wouldn't be able to open his Christmas gifts. That was oh. top of oh, mind. <laughs> that was top of <laughs> mind. And I assured him that we would help him open all of his Christmas gifts. So that yeah, they're at the best age for uh, Christmas. They're all in. They get excited. That becomes the focus, and it has been for the last few years, Like just to watch those kids wake up in the morning and dive into their gifts. Um, it's awesome. Awesome. It's hard to describe. It's beyond like the birthday celebration. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, yeah it's Christmas that,
0: is always different.
2: It, at that age, too, it's almost like oh, I can't believe Santa did it again. Santa did it again.
1: <laughs> this is Yo, guy is nailed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he right. should
0: be the Iceman. man. <laughs> I like that we can take all these shots at Burke because he's not out tonight. <laughs> so one of the, the the traditions that developed in my family once. You know, my brother and I had gotten a little bit older, and we became of drinking age, or at least close enough that it was acceptable. Was we we really started this holiday tradition of we would all get together and help, like my mom and my dad, cook. We usually eat a little bit earlier in the day, so cooking would start at like ten in the morning, and we would just start popping champagne at ten in the morning and just drink champagne all day long. And um, it is a tradition that I have carried into my marriage, and one of my favorite ways to spend a holiday. Which I mean, listen. I mean, Drinking on a holiday is not like a novel thing, but that was a thing that my family did together that I really liked. I was wondering if you guys have any of those family traditions that you took from your parents and you're, you're bringing into your families now.
1: Uh, for me, it was mostly start eating as soon as you wake up and you don't stop. Uh, <laughs> and God, God bless my grandmother, who's 98 and Eddie's still kicking. But, you know, you'd end oh. up in you end up on her side from like midnight on and eating Pounds of salami while you played video games. Uh, video games are always the thing. <laughs> From in television, uh, that was the first console uh, that my father and my uncle and me and my cousin, we would play that. And it, it kept all the way through. Uh, even to now, with Whitney's brother, like everybody will be doing something else, and me and him will be playing his PS5. So for, for me, it, it's video games. And I'm jacked that I have an excuse with a one year old to continue to play video games for yeah. the next 20 plus years. Yeah, with you got him. it. So, yeah. You're yeah. Good. <laughs> so I'm going to keep that tradition going whether he wants to or not cool
2: yeah i think you know growing up there was there's are several traditions that unfortunately this year, we, we just aren't going to be able to continue because they, they you know, the Christmas Eve at the grandparents' house, keeping the kids up late, you know, you get home and they fall asleep in the car, you put them to bed, it's almost midnight, you know, that kind of thing. At least for us this year, like we're not take the kids anywhere um, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to see extended family anyway. So that part was always a fun thing for me. I remember going to my grandparents uh, on my dad's side on Christmas Eve, and that was the Italian side. And, like like. like Chuck was describing, like eating just started immediately, (laughs) you know, and you basically just ate yourself through gift giving and into a coma and fell asleep in the car on the way home and then woke up Christmas morning. But the boys will get up and pretty much spend the day in pajamas, you you know, open your gifts. Let's play with your gifts. And my boys are getting to the age now where they actually want to play video games. So I'm all about that too. So let's fire up the PlayStation or whatever we're doing and just have a really, really cozy, lazy kind of day where uh dad can drink <laughs> so you know here, here i go <laughs> that christmas day for the most part of my family has been a, a stay at home all day kind of thing whereas the extended family stuff happens on christmas eve or the weekend before or the weekend after
0: fellas that brings us to the end of tonight's show and our last show before christmas and COVID's a son of a bitch. I'm disappointed I'm not going to get to see my family this year. I'm equally as disappointed that I'm not going to get to see any of you guys this year. But I think we're coming to the end of this sooner than later. And I'm looking forward to Christmas 2021 and getting to see you guys. Have a great holiday, fellas. Please give your best to everybody in your family and all the kids and parents and everybody. And I'll see you guys next week. Merry Merry
1: Christmas. Merry Christmas, my brothers.